0: Good morning everyone. this is Christian Thwaites I'm here with Steve uh on a conference call that we've called markets dip correction or crash so those of you who've been with us before will know what we'll do is a uh, quick introduction and talk about what's been going on in the markets obviously last three days of particular interest and then we'll open it up for questions and um and how do we unmute the phones we'll unmute, we'll unmute the phone so uh when you when we open it up to questions, just feel free to fire a question off uh, to us, and we also have some written questions.
1: Okay, Steve. Great. Thanks, Christian. What a difference a week can make. So in our last call, which was a couple of weeks ago, uh, I reported that two, 2018 was off to a rocket start, and it was on the heels of new tax legislation. Global stock markets had jumped in, in the first three weeks of January. The S&P was up about 6%, and many foreign markets were up even more. Uh, corporate tax cut gave a one-time 20% boost to corporate profits. And, and frankly, that that uh, uh, accounts for pretty much the market uh, return in 2017, which was up about 20, 20, uh, 20%. Uh, since then, obviously, things have changed, and that's the reason for the call. We thought people might be interested in what we saw uh, going on, and so we thought we'd, we'd we set this up yesterday, short notice, so glad you could all uh, uh, join us. Uh, but since then, the markets have skidded almost 8% from their highs, although the last couple of days we've seen a little bit of a rebound. And almost every foreign market has followed suit where they've gone down as well and then are on their way back up at least for the next day or two. Uh, but most most markets have given up their gains that they, they uh, etched out in the first part of the year Uh, and most markets right now are close to flat up or down just a little bit. So uh, some of the questions I think people are asking are, how much of a decline is this likely to be? Is this a dip correction? Uh, Christian used the word crash. I I just am going to say, or is it the end of the nine-year bull market, which began in 2009? After all, it's run it. It's, it's, it's pretty long in the tooth as most of the media pundits are talking about. And can it continue to move on? Uh, is inflation finally coming back? And we're seeing some initial signs that it, it is. Uh, will the Fed Reserve begin raising rates more aggressively? Uh, we have a new Fed chairman. Uh, there's a new, uh, a new policy. I think it's going to be a little bit more aggressive. And will rising interest rates kill off the market? which typically uh, rising rates are not necessarily a good thing if it, if it goes to a inverted yield curve. And what I mean by that is where short-term rates are higher than long-term rates. We're not there yet. We still have a positive slope, meaning short-term rates are lower than long-term rates, which is still a good thing. And, and one thing I wanted to mention, because it's confusing when the when the media talks about things such as dip, correction bear market. So let me just explain what they're talking about for those who are not familiar with it. A dip means something that's gone down less than 10%. Uh, So right now we call what we've had a dip. It's not technically been a correction. A correction is 10% to 20% um so and and that is a very normal thing in an upward market that you would have a correction so what we've had so far is not unusual at all in fact what is unusual is that we haven't had more of these um during the last nine years and lastly a bear market which is defined as a market going down 20 percent or more uh, and typically that is related to some uh, really, uh, a really nasty geopolitical event or a recession. So, um now that we know what the terminology is, um we're we're in the camp that this is going to be a dip or a correction and we'll explain our reasoning why we think that. Um so Christian, let's let's uh, let's talk about some of our views and some of our uh the thinking we've had in the investment committee as to how we think about what the market is and what we've done about it and what we're thinking about going forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe it's helpful just to, to talk you know, about what happened, just to kind of put some numbers behind it. So, yep. you know, starting with the S&P, we saw on Monday that correct uh, nearly 5 uh, to 6%. Uh, international was off a lot less. Uh, the dollar was, uh, was pretty flat to weak and treasuries were up. And then yesterday and today, we've seen uh, a bounce back. And so we look at our uh, year-to-date numbers, the S&P is is flat, so in effect we're back to where we were around about January the third. Right. And um, in our portfolios, Berkshire Hathaway is showing up two percent, a very strong mid-cap fund we have is up about five percent, and our international funds are roughly up up one and a half percent. So, you know, going into those types of asset classes, which nearly all of our clients have, you know, have uh, outperformed the broader index. So, and I think also, you know, why did this happen? Well, it if there's kind of four things that come to mind. First of all, and without going into too technical an uh, explanation, but volatility had been extremely low for months, if not years. And people had been taking a view on that. And they had been shorting volatility. And there's a number of ways to do that. And one of them one of the ways was through these exchange trading notes. By the way, we do not invest in exchange-traded notes because they're usually toxic and they don't hold underlying securities, they hold derivatives. But these particular notes demonstrated their toxicity in spades on Monday, and two funds, which collectively were $3 billion shorting uh, the VIX, are now worth $50 million. So it's like a 95% correction. So I think that there was a lot of volatility playing out, and the market was testing to see how strong those opinions were. So that was in the background. Then, as Steve, I totally agree with you. New Fed chairman, uh, you know, certainly since you and I have been in this business, Volcker was tested a month out of his appointment, Greenspan, uh, month uh, weeks. Bernanke, and Yellen. So there's a certain amount of... They're all
1: tested right at the beginning of their tenure, too. You've
0: got a new guy, you know, take a few shots at him, see how committed they are to the regime that they've put in place. Another one that came about was the uh, inflation numbers. Now, this was triggered by a very specific statistic that came out on Friday's non-farm payrolls, and that was that average hourly earnings were up 2.9%, and this is the sort of canary (laughs) in the coal mine that the inflationistas have been looking for say, you know, wages are beginning to push up. We don't believe it for the simple reason that's one month's data, one month's data gets revised, it was December, there's all sorts of weather patterns going on, uh, and and uh, hours worked was down. So that suggests to me an oversimplified explanation that people were paid more for the people who didn't show up to work. So I just cannot see that, you know, this low-wage inflation and inflation scenario, which, which have been around for years, can be reversed in one month's numbers. It seems as
1: if everybody wants to uh, see the start of inflation and looking for signs as though it's wishful thinking that we're going to have inflation. But, uh, you know, we just haven't seen enough data yet to, to, to show that there is inflation. And I think that's part of the reason, too, the Fed
0: has been hesitant in acting too aggressively. Exactly. I mean, I, I think there's very strong secular trains, trends which keep uh, inflation low, which we don't even have to go into here, but it's reflected in our investment outlook. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm very, uh, you know, one swallow doesn't make a spring. In this case, one hourly earnings number report tagged into page 35 on a non-farm payroll day it doesn't mean that inflation is about to bust through to 3%.
1: Well, another, another thing, too, is that the bond market is telling us that inflation is not coming back yet. Yeah. Because even though short-term rates have gone up, and that, I think, is more a reflection of what the Fed has been doing. So short and intermediate-term rates have gone up. But really, when you look at the long end of the curve, that was, so you look at 30-year bonds, they really haven't moved much. And if inflation really were coming back, the bond market's either fooled or the bond market's seeing something completely different. So the bond market's saying that it does not yet see inflation as a major problem.
0: I totally agree. What's the first thing you are going to sell if uh, if you think inflation is coming back with a vengeance? You sell your 10, 20, and 30-year bonds because yep. they're locked in at you know just over 3% for 30 years, 2.8 right. for 10 years. And uh, if you think inflation is creeping up to 3 that's the last instrument you want to be in. Right, right. The other thing uh, I, I saw was the, um, uh, the, if there's real fear in the market, four things happen, I think. Uh, one is VIX goes up. The yen strengthens uh, because that's the sort of major tradable safe currency after the dollar. Gold goes up because gold bugs seem to think that uh, gold has some sort of protection value, and treasuries go up. And the only one that we saw move was VIX, which comes back to the first explanation. This might have been very much uh, driven by, uh, by by short covering in a very volatile asset class, the, the, the VIX index. Gold barely moved. Treasuries rallied a little bit. Uh, the yen moved in very small amounts. Uh, so you know, one out of four of the fear index is only moving. I don't think this is a, a straight out 2008 panic. Um, I do think it's a correction. People have been sitting on very strong gains. I mean, if you just kind of threw a dartboard at the S and P 500 for last year, you're up 20-25%. Um, there's a reason that. People sort of begin to start taking profits, and if there's a catalyst, however minor it might be, uh, then it's going to start moving very quickly. It, it could have been in every number of catalysts, Steve. I think you know, if if Mark Zuckerberg had come out and said, "Hey, we've been overestimating our uh, viewership rates on Facebook by 50 percent," that would have hit it. Yeah. You know, if Jamie Dimon had come out and said, "We've got a billion dollar loss on the uh, on our trading," that would have hit it.
1: Yeah, it it doesn't really matter i mean what the reason was i think that people look for a, an excuse to take profits take a little money off the table i've been hearing that over and over again should we be taking some money off the table and i think that when people start seeing the markets decline i think you see a bunch of people jump in and say well i don't want to miss while the while the uh, getting out is good so let's take some profits so i think that's what we're seeing uh, the fact that there wasn't a huge amount of follow through based after that 4% decline day I think is is significant. And then getting back to your point, Christian, about this is not another 2008, it's also not another 2000. I mean, if you think about the big down markets, the circumstances were quite different. Um, the, we had a housing um, bubble in, 2000, in 2008, uh, and there was a real problem with credit, and the economy was, I think, also on, on a precipice. Uh, and then you go back to 2000 through 2002, uh you know there we had a bunch of companies that weren't making any money which were the darlings and finding out that the uh, financial statements uh you know were not really probably as well kept as they could have been so uh i think you had a very different environment where we were also in in 2000 through 2002 we were sliding into a recession although no one knew it at the time Uh, what we see now is very very different in that uh, we're actually seem to be having an acceleration of growth rather than a deceleration of growth, and it's a synchronization of uh, economies around the globe. Not just the U.S., but uh, Europe, Asia, the emerging markets have all started to pick up, and they're starting from a, a lower base where they were in a recession. And they're actually starting to see crawling crawling out, and we're starting to see improvement in in
0: growth in, in economies and also growth in earnings across the board. I I agree, and I think when we look at, at what's happening in the market, there, there, those are the three things which I see supporting the market in the background as being good news. We've had, we're having a good earnings season. We expect earnings per share on the S&P 500 to be up about 14%, 15%. Five of that will come from the change in the corporate tax rate. The other nine, uh, ten will come from just uh, out, uh, higher revenue, higher uh, earnings, lower expenses. As you mentioned, the economic news has been good. It's actually a quiet week this week. Uh, um, trade numbers uh, came out and the ISM on services, but otherwise there's not some big movers. And then I think the synchronized uh, global growth is a very big deal. I mean, Germany is on track for a GDP of 2.7%. That's faster than the U.S. That's been well over a decade since they've even been together. And that, that makes it very different from, from what we've seen over the last few years.
1: Plus, we're in the early stages as opposed to the late stages where things are likely to go the other way. So, to me, this this is a, a, a uh, still a very uh, positive uh, environment for investing. And you know, and we reported in the last call a couple weeks ago that there have been a number of changes with the reduced regulatory environment and tax cuts uh, that ties into a significant increase in business confidence. So, we are still seeing a pickup in business investment, manufacturing, industrial production. So the signs are there that this is still a positive um, uh, you know, investment environment for us to be in. So uh, you know, what would be a bad investment environment? Where would we be nervous about? Maybe this is the start of something worse? Well I think the biggest one would be is if it, it appeared that things were decelerating, or that things were going to slow down, or that we we're likely to slide into a recession. Because then you're likely to see earnings con- to slide. Uh, And if interest rates were going up at the same time stocks become less attractive just based on a relative value basis Uh, But we're not seeing any of those signs that Lead us to believe that this is anything more than a correction or a uh, even a just a dip
0: Yes, so um, very quickly before we turn it over to questions, you know, what are we doing on the portfolios? well, first of all you, you will notice that we've had Treasuries in your portfolio for a while. Some of, some of the trades we're moving is to slightly longer Treasuries, uh, because n- first of all, Treasuries are move in completely opposite direction than stocks uh, in, in a in a correction phase. So there are a good protection there. And we also feel that, um, as we mentioned earlier, the inflation kick and the slow gradual upgrades in interest rates. Is not going to be a problem and 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 treasury is a very good place to be especially if credit spreads start widening out we also like the low beta stocks we've got that through some of the dividend aristocrats we have also like it in the kind of value plays typified by berkshire hathaway these are very good businesses which typically trade at a discount only to their market value if not their book value and then thirdly the emerging markets international because of the synchronized growth that uh that, that steve alluded to so those are the kind of three major moves that we're making uh, on the portfolios in the first quarter. Yeah, let me just point
1: one more point out one more thing before we take it on to questions. Um, the, the, this concept of a correction, which gets people a little bit nervous, is it over, should we be taking money off the table? It's actually a very normal thing in an up market to have corrections. In fact, it's a positive thing, it's a helpful thing to have corrections, because it takes some of the pressure off. If you have a, a market that's moving up straight, Straight away without any corrections, it means people are getting overly enthusiastic and greed starts to um, accelerate. It's almost like a pressure cooker. You you need to release some of the pressure from time to time. And what it does is it instills a little bit of fear in the market, which keeps things on a more even keel where greed doesn't outweigh fear. Uh, a, A market without a correction has a chance of burning itself out into a nastier down market. So we consider this a positive rather than a negative thing.
2: So
0: we're going to open up the uh, phone lines now uh, feel free to um, to uh, just come out with a, with a question we have a few uh, writing questions maybe yeah those we've got are a, waiting got a writing question so uh, one is is it a time to purchase S&P 500 funds or other low fee index funds for a long-term investment or maybe wait a week or so well <laughs> Okay, so let, let
1: let me answer that one. Um, if somebody is already invested, the question is should they do anything about it? And my, my answer is take a deep breath and sit on your hands. If somebody is not invested or feel that they need to be more invested but for whatever reason they're just not there because they were nervous about putting more money to work in the market because they thought it was too high or valuations were too rich, then I would use um, these corrections as an opportunity to putting some money to work. Now, again, the correction is already, what we've had has pretty much been reversed. Um, it's down a little bit, but you know, down 5% or 6% is really not a screaming, uh, scream to buy or sell. So not much has happened. I, I would say that watch for other opportunities if we have continued weakness. This is likely to run several weeks in our opinion. These corrections don't end in a day or a few days. This could go on for several weeks, so you may have opportunities to put more money to work. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Uh, Just just to always, if anyone would like to answer a question before we read the next written-in one. So the next one is...
0: Uh, I'll combine the two questions, but they're sort of linked. Did we miss correction volatility signals? And if so, Brown Janikowski outlook indicate changes in portfolio strategy and our concerns about near term rising inflation interest rates and overreaction by nervous Nellies. Uh, To the second one, I I think it's a misreading of of the signs. Um, And but, uh, you know, a lot of the people who are selling I think on Monday and Tuesday, and this is important, people selling on Monday and Tuesday are not long-term investors. They're trade positioning, they're hedge funds, they're uh, trade parity funds, they're leveraged funds. They have absolutely no view or no interest on whether Google is going to sell more ad revenue next month or next year. They're using stocks, all 500 of them, as a proxy for an asset class. So I don't think anybody spent time out and said, you know what, I think uh, earnings are going to be down 15% this year, and uh, Amazon's going to get um, taken out by Best Buy. No, none of that fundamental analysis was going on. And so uh, we, we thought there might be some volatility, hence trade into treasuries, but we wouldn't touch VIX. Uh, it's just not a useful asset class. So. We have another write-in
1: question, which we're going to go through, and if anyone has uh, questions they would like to ask us, we're happy to answer that. We just wanted to point out that we've hit the 20-minute mark, which we like to let people know that these calls are going to last 20 minutes. we decided, though, since there, there there may be additional questions, that we're going to stay around to answer questions as long as there are questions, but those who have to bu- pop off in 20 minutes, we just wanna let you know that uh, we've reached that limit. So uh, if there are any questions on callers, we'd love to have those, and otherwise we have one more write-in question that we're gonna tackle.
0: So we had two uh, uh, actually very very good questions which are linked. One is, uh, it, it's actually a very well thought out question, but I'll, tr- I'll try and summarize it. Um, dividend stocks still hold their story Given that, um, you know, if rates are, rates are increasing, um, then, then maybe these types of stocks will, will underperform and haven't they unperformed uh, on Monday. So this, in particular, one of the funds we like is called Noble, N-O-B-L, and, and it buys dividend stocks, but not traditional dividend stocks of utilities, telecom, and REITs but more companies which have had a history of increasing their dividends. So when you buy this, the running yield is no different from the S&P, but the underlying growth in dividends have been pretty good. And these have been, it depends, what. if you take it over the five-day period, they have outperformed the S&P. On Monday, they didn't by about 20 basis points, but these are obviously not the timeframes we're working with, and over the last year, this this fund has sort of stayed in, in line with the S&P. We're you know, we're certainly looking at that, but I think most companies, the companies that this fund invests in that we follow, are still good, solid dividend increases. So all things being equal, there should be uh, ongoing dividend increases coming from there, which is a good source of the return. And then a separate question was, uh, you know, has the small cap um, declined and uh, it says, um, you know, any extended period of time, small and mid-cap funds have not outperformed the broad market. Um, well, we feel they have, but they've outperformed by quite a big margin. Um, over 20 years, they've outperformed the S&P by by 70%. Um, obviously, those numbers, you know, can fluctuate. Uh, 2016 was a great year for small caps. Up 30%, S&P up 12 last year. It was not such a good number. The S&P was up 22, 23, and I think small caps are up 12 at the end of the year. So we just try to have the right exposure to an asset class which can move differently from the S&P and still find to believe in the, in the story and quality around quality small cap companies. And that's why we invest here. Right, and, and, and again, small cap and mid cap
1: companies are not going to necessarily in line or correlate with large customers all the time um, excuse me we have somebody there's a lot of noise on the line
2: you can you start
1: to mute.
2: to mute so if
1: somebody's if somebody's in a noisy area uh, if you could mute your line unless okay, you're
2: gonna
1: start to that would be great all right, thanks. so just getting back to the, uh, uh, the the small small cap mid cap question uh, Historically, small and mid-cap stocks have actually outperformed uh, large-cap stocks over longer periods of time. There will be years such as last year and even this year where they're not doing as well. But we're we're looking at much longer-term investment perspectives. It's really hard to time these things in terms of short-term timing of when do you go in or out of small cap. But we know that if we hold small cap and mid cap over a extended period of time, what does that mean, three, five years or so, that we're going to do better, probably better than the large cap market.
0: Good. And the person who asked that question, actually I'll follow up with an email because I know that it is quite detailed in part, so I may not have fully answered it here. Right. Okay.
1: So uh any any other questions that anyone in the uh audience would like to ask before we, we sign off?
2: Well, thank you very much for uh, addressing those interesting questions. Uh, Regarding the first question uh, about dividend, the NOBL stock, uh, it seems to me that in a situation in which there's a likelihood of rising uh, yield, that stocks which are get part of their valuation from uh, yield are going to be less valued relative to the increasing yield. So it would seem to me one would want to shy away from such stocks, but the answer I guess I'm getting from you is that you think that it's not only their yield, but their growth in uh, uh, increasing their 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 uh, their dividend and therefore that's representing growth and and so you'd like to stay with that am I getting the message
1: yeah yeah, absolutely and that's that's a great distinction you just made which is this is not a high dividend yield fund which Christian alluded to earlier which is filled with utilities and other companies which are more stagnant companies that are not growing but just spitting off higher dividends this is, these are higher quality companies that tend to be growth companies or growing companies. And what we're looking for with this particular investment is not the yield by itself, because it, there's really not much yield differential between this fund and the S&P 500. They're about the same, actually. But what's different is that they're growing their dividends at a much faster rate. So if you want to think about it that way, there's a growth factor built into the yield of this fund, and that's one of the reasons we like it.
2: I got that. And uh, uh, my concerns about small, when in a richly valued market, and I don't think anyone's disagreeing that this is, has been richly valued, I always worry about small and mid caps more than I worry about big caps, uh, simply because uh, uh, changes in the economic environment are more likely to affect small and uh, medium-sized companies. It seems to me that the portfolio has been heavily weighted towards, or at least somewhat uh, weighted towards those companies. And uh, so the question was not that one wouldn't keep the funds, but whether or not one would reduce their weight in an environment of a richly valued market.
1: Yeah, um we have about uh, 20% yeah, uh, roughly 20% of the equity portfolio in small and mid cap which is not a uh, is, is not an excessive number uh, in our view uh, and uh, and there, there are times where we might increase or decrease them but let's let's talk about the question of what what the environment looks like the some of the the, the changes in, in tax laws um, reducing corporate taxes and the regulatory environment, in our view, is gonna actually help the smaller and mid-sized companies more than the larger companies, at least the tax rate. The larger companies already, it are may not necessarily benefit them as much because they've already found ways to reduce their taxes, but it will have a direct impact on smaller and medium-sized companies. And also, if the economy continues to do, be- continues to do better, it's actually, we view this as a positive environment for small and mid-cap companies. I do agree with you, though, that if the economy were looked as though we're going to turn over a rollover uh, and start sliding the other way, then, uh, then, then we'd have to rethink that uh, in terms of that allocation. But right now, we, we actually think we're in a positive
0: environment for these types of investments.
2: Got it. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thanks, everybody. Uh, as always, feel free to call us or email us with any other kind of follow-up questions. We're, we're, we're certainly here to help, and we're looking at the markets you know, all the time. The fact that we don't trade all the time is uh you know, hopefully to make you sure that your portfolio is in, in, in good shape. Thank,
1: so, you, thank you very you much, everybody.
0: Have a good, good afternoon. And here's the disclosure. Please note the information provided in this presentation is for general information purposes only, and should not be considered an individualized recommendation or personalized investment advice. Investment strategy discussed in presentation may not be suitable for everyone. Each investor needs to review an investment strategy for his or her own particular situation before making any investment decision. All expressions of opinion are subject to change without notice, and reacting to shifting market or economic conditions. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, and opinions presented can be